0: If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our Gospel readings for this time of year are taken from a kind of poignant section of Matthew's Gospel. Jesus has just arrived in Jerusalem, for the final Passover of his life. And he finds himself, in anticipation of his passion, rather violently opposed by skeptical representatives of his own Jewish faith. This section of Matthew is about Jesus' tensive, complicated, ambiguous relationship to Israel. He tells a series of parables which all have as their purpose the characterization of this relationship between Jesus and ancient Israel. It's one, as I said, of continuity and discontinuity, of deep love and rupture. Look, Jesus is a true Israelite. He's formed by Israel and his traditions it's only against this very densely textured Israelite background that Jesus can be properly understood. Nevertheless, at the same time, he stands over and against Israel in judgment upon it. Articulating this duality was a major preoccupation of the early church, and we can see it now in these parables from this end of Matthew's Gospel. Let's attend now with some care to Jesus' parable. He speaks of an owner who plants a vineyard right away. Any biblical Jew hearing this will be brought back to the book of the prophet Isaiah. And in fact, that's our first reading for this week. It's from Isaiah chapter 5. Because there we hear that Israel is compared explicitly to a vineyard. And as Jesus develops the image, we see precisely how Israel functioned as God's great rescue operation for the fallen human race. Jesus will tell us now what Israel is, what its purpose is, what goes right and what goes wrong. So, first of all, we hear, a landowner planted a vineyard. Here is a first basic truth that Israelites understood. God is the owner of the universe. We hear in that great Barakah prayer that we echo at every Mass, Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. God is the Lord of all. God is the owner of all things. Trouble comes. And we know this, too, in our bones. Trouble comes when we forget this truth and we think we are the owners of the world. We're the owners of our lives. We're the owners of our bodies. We're not. God is. We are best described, as this parable describes us, as tenants of God's vineyard. Now, that's better. Tenants, not owners. We are given by God. And see, Israel knew this. We are given by God the gift of participating in his governance of the world. But we are always indebted to him. He is always the Lord. We can use the good things of the earth, but we don't own them. By the way, that's a cornerstone of Catholic social teaching. We can use, we can own, but we don't Master or control the things of the earth. Now, what does a landowner plant in Jesus' parable? How wonderful that he plants a vineyard. That is to say, something which will yield grapes, which eventually yield good wine. What does the God of Israel want for us? He wants us to be alive. He wants to lift our spirits. He wants to intoxicate us with the good things of the earth. Jesus sums this up, doesn't he, when he says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. That's always what the God of Israel wanted for his people. And so he plants this world as a vineyard, a place of joy and intoxication. Now, we continue with the parable. We hear that he built a hedge around the vineyard. Israel, throughout the Old Testament, is set apart from the other nations. Set apart by its laws, by its liturgy, by the commands that God gives it. Do not be like the other people. Israel had its own integrity. I've spoken before to you about those wonderful books of Nehemiah and Ezra. The task of these two great figures after the Babylonian captivity was to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. It's not good if Israel loses its distinctiveness, if the hedge around the vineyard is compromised. That means that God's ways aren't being preserved and understood within this vineyard. Now, we hear that the owner went on a journey. Don't read this as God's abandonment of his people. Rather, read it as God's empowerment of them. See, look at the ancient gods and goddesses. How often they treat us as puppets. They're kind of puppeteers. They're controlling us, manipulating us. Look at all kinds of false understandings of God. To this day, you'll see overtones of this, that God so dominates us that he manipulates us. There's none of that in the Bible. Though God is, in fact, the owner of all things, that's true, including the owner of our lives and our bodies, nevertheless, God gives us in our freedom the right to set our own path, the right to say yes or no, the right to govern our own lives. Good, good. He's like an owner who gives space to his tenants, allows them to flourish and to make their own decisions. Like a parent. Gradually allows his children greater and greater freedom. Once it's clear to the parent the child's not going to harm himself. He gives them more and more freedom. Guides him in his freedom. So the God of Israel. So the God of the Bible. Going on a journey here means allowing his tenants, us, freedom. Ranginess. The God of Israel is not a tyrant or a puppeteer. Then we hear... The vintage time came. The grapes have come to full fruition, and the owner sends his servants to gather them. Who are these servants? Now, both in Isaiah's version of this parable and in Jesus, these servants are the prophets, the patriarchs, God's great representatives. What have they come to do? They've come to gather to collect the produce. Does God want us in our freedom in cooperation with his grace, to produce great things. Yes, yes, that's the moral life, the spiritual life. Oh, the great accomplishments of human culture, all of that are the fruits of the vineyard. God sends his prophets to collect it. But what happens? And here we begin to see the tragedy of Israel, alongside of its glory. Listen. But the tenants seized the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. This, symbolically, is the long history of Israel's rejection of God's messengers, its stiff-necked quality. When the prophets called Israel back to fidelity, that means when they came to gather the fruit of of the vineyard, Israel remained resistant going in some cases so far as to kill the messengers. Just think of the fate of the prophet Jeremiah. Then we hear this as the parable unfolds. Finally, he sent his son to them. The landowner, trying to gather the fruit of his vineyard, sends his son. There's something I think terribly touching and poignant about that line because it's evocative of this line. God so loved the world. That he sent his only son. But what was the reaction to the sending of the son? Listen, they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. There, in a nutshell, is the passion of the Christ, who was arrested, driven outside the city walls, and crucified, breaking God's heart and compromising the identity of Israel. The entire glory and tragedy of Israel is on display in this parable. What it was meant to be. God's chosen vineyard. God's rescue operation. The place where God's own way of life was being preserved. But yet the tragedy of Israel that had turned so often against the Lord. Even turning against his son. Now, why is this good news for us? What makes this parable a gospel? Evangelion, good news for us. We who know and love Jesus are the new Israel. St. Paul said it, we are now grafted on to the tree of Israel. What will the landowner do in the wake of the tragedy? Listen to what the parable says. He will lease his vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper time. Who are these? In the vision of the early church, the Gentiles, who now through Christ are grafted onto the tree of Israel. They who believe in Christ, crucified and risen from the dead, are those who are going to carry forth to the world the truth about God. We, therefore, all of us, Followers of the crucified and risen Son of God are the inheritors of this promise made to Israel. We are now the ones, and Pope Benedict says this so clearly in his book on Jesus of Nazareth, we are now the ones who through the strange providence of God must bring the message of the God of Israel to the nations. That was always Israel's goal, remember? Go back to the prophet Isaiah again. Mount Zion is a true pole of the earth. From that mountain, light will go forth, instruction will go forth. To that mountain, all the tribes of the world will come. Israel would be a magnet to the nations. Ah, Who would have guessed, though? It would come through all those Gentiles, us listening. It would come through us to the nations of the world. Listen now how it ends, how this parable ends. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. Harsh judgment, yes, it's on those who were faithless within Israel. Good news, yes, for us. Because now we're the ones who had this task. But now listen to me, brothers and sisters. Just as ancient Israel and in its infidelity is under judgment. So are we, the new Israel. If we don't bear fruit, if we reject the messengers sent to us, above all that messenger Christ, the glory and the tragedy of Israel remains in some ways the glory and tragedy of the church, the new Israel. Do we have this within us? To carry forth to the nations... This great message of the God of Israel that comes to its fulfillment, its full fruition in the crucified and risen Savior. God bless you.